Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Sometimes it's a good idea to get back to basics, and that's as true in the digital realm as in any other. So for several programs, let's take a look at how one of the key things in the digital world works. We're talking here about compression, how to make large digital files smaller so that they can move more quickly through the internet and over cell phone connections. Let's look at compressing three types of information, text, graphics, and audio. In a previous episode of The Electronic Cottage, we looked at text compression. Today, let's revisit a former program on compressing graphics. Welcome to Notes from The Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. On a recent edition of The Electronic Cottage, we looked at compression, or as my old dad used to say, putting two pounds in a one-pound bag. Electronically, that means reducing the size of files so that you can put more of them in a storage device or so that you can send them across the internet more quickly. As you undoubtedly remember, in the digital domain, a bit is a bit is a bit. That means that whatever the original form of information, a text document or a photograph or a sound or a drawing or even video, once it's digitized, it's merely a series of bits or binary digits. When we save a file, we want to be as efficient as possible, both for space reasons and for transmission reasons. In other words, We want to include all of the information that's necessary to reproduce the original piece, whatever it was, but no more. We've spoken about text and how clever algorithms can sometimes reduce the size of a text file by half or even more and still not lose any of that information when the file is decompressed and opened again. That's a real advantage when you're sending or receiving a file over the internet or over a network in your business or house. But what about pictures? Pictures contain a lot of information. And I mean a lot. Stick with me here. We need to do a little math to get an idea of what we're talking about. On your computer monitor, for example, suppose you have the resolution set to 800 by 600, which is the lowest resolution of most computer screens today. That means that there are 800 pixels, or picture elements, positioned across your screen horizontally, and 600 positioned up and down, vertically. If we multiply this out, 800 by 600, that means that there are 480,000 pixels on your screen at any one time, assuming that you're looking at your screen only in black and white. If you're looking in full color, which means up to 16 million possible colors for each pixel, you can see that we need a whole lot of bits to represent just one screen of information. 16 million times 480,000, which is, in fact, over 700 trillion bits of information. Almost enough for an economic bailout. As you can imagine, that's a lot of bits to send through your pokey 56 kilobit dial-up modem, or even through a high-speed connection. So, what to do when you want to send that photo of the family barbecue out to Aunt Emma in Dubuque or little Louis's first drawing to Grandpa Elrod in Memphis? Well, you can do what everyone else does on the internet. 
you can compress your prized photo or the baby's artwork. These days, there are several formats you'll find for compressing graphics for use on a website or to send through email. JPEG, GIF, PNG, among others. Each is good for a particular type of graphic information, and you'll probably run across all of them if you use the internet very much at all. JPEG, J-P-E-G, is perhaps the most common graphic file format for most of us. JPEG is an abbreviation that stands for Joint Photographic Expert Group, the organization that first developed this compression scheme. JPEG compression is best used for photographs or other 24-bit color images since it does a good job with subtle gradations like you find in photographs. Be advised, though, that JPEG is what's called lossy compression, which means that it actually throws some data away as it compresses your file. As an imaginary illustration, suppose the JPEG algorithm sees a white pixel, a gray pixel, and a black pixel in a row in your photo. The algorithm might throw away the bits that describe the gray pixel on the assumption that when the photo is reconstructed, the algorithm will just average the black and white pixels on either side and come up with the gray pixel in between. The actual algorithm, of course, is much, much more sophisticated. But you get the idea. Because some information is thrown away when you compress your photo using the JPEG format, usually you get a choice to indicate what level of quality you want. The better the quality, the larger the size. So you want to choose the best balance between image quality and small file size. That usually takes some experimentation, but it saves a lot of time when you're sending or downloading a photograph. Incidentally, if you have a digital camera, it's probably compressing your pictures in JPEG format. When you transfer the pictures to your computer, they'll often have the suffix .jpg after the file name. On your camera, you probably get to choose how many shots or at what quality you want your photos stored on your memory card. It's the same rule as your hard drive. The better the quality, the larger the file, and the fewer pictures you'll be able to store on the memory card. Another common format you'll probably come across is called GIF, sometimes pronounced GIF like the peanut butter. GIF stands for Graphics Interchange Format, and it was invented way back when. The GIF format can only deal with 8 bits of color versus the 24 bits that JPEG can represent. So it's good to use GIF for line art and images with sharp edges and large areas of solid color. You'll usually get a much smaller file size if you use GIF for those purposes. Since GIF was a patented format, there had been occasional attempts to collect royalties over the years, and that inspired the creation of the unpatented PNG format, which officially stands for Portable Networks Graphics, and which unofficially stands for PNGs, not GIF. Anyhow, this is a lossless compression scheme designed specifically to help make it easier to send images over the internet. These days, by the way, the patents on GIF have run out, so you can use it to your heart's content. Unlike JPEG, GIF, as well as PNG, are lossless compression schemes. So in theory, if you have an 8-bit color image, in the case of GIF, say a box or a triangle, it'll look exactly the same at the other end when it's reconstructed after GIF compression. 
That's the theory, and often enough, it's plenty close to the truth. If you try to compress an image with more than 8 bits of color, however, or even one with lots of smooth gradations in it, you probably won't be happy with the results if you use GIF compression. In those cases, for lossless compression, try PNG. For smaller files with lossy compression, try JPEG and adjust the quality to the best balance of image quality versus file size for your particular needs. So, now we've covered compression for text and still photos or graphic images. But what about moving images or sound? Well, that's a topic for another day, and a tough one to describe in words without using pictures. But we're not bashful here, and we hope you aren't either, and that you'll join us as we wrestle with describing the indescribable here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.